Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Okay. Well, (laughs) now I'm going to preach. I don't preach the whole thing. I'm doing it. All right? Today is Palm Sunday. Come on. Such a special day. And I am one of those people that I never want to get bored or overly familiar with these high and holy moments. Amen? If you're like me, maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you've, you know, Palm Sunday, we wave the little branches and yay, it's cute, whatever. You know, or maybe it's become old hat to you. I don't want that to become old for me. Amen? Like, I want to rediscover new things, uh, treasures within it, right? And I want to make a clarification about that because uh, we are a, an apostolic family. We're a regional church. We have reached beyond even just this room, uh, namely our podcasts, our live stream, things like that. And we don't want any confusion. We want the whole body of Christ to come into uh, a maturity, alignment with the head, and we want to serve her there. Does that make sense? So I'm saying all that to say, I've in the past called myself a revelatory teacher. And while it's, an, it's a necessary distinction, it, the word itself has triggered some pushback, things like that. I want to make totally clear today, I am not adding to the scriptures, not for one second, homie. And I'm not taking away from them either, all right? Both are bad, all right? I ain't putting things in. I ain't leaving things out, all right? Like, if you don't read your Bible until it offends you, you're not reading it long enough, just so you know, okay? (laughs) So, but I want to make clear that there is no new revelation. There is not. The revelation of the Son of God has been set in place. The salvation is delivered to the saints once for all. Amen? When we say, I got a revelation, what we're really saying is I got an illumination. It means I saw what was there in a new way. I'm not adding, we're not writing new scripture. We're not, we talk about apostles, prophets, things like that. So there's some confusion out there. What are you trying to say? You're writing scripture? No, no. Literally less than a third of the apostles wrote scripture. So that's not even a qualification. But we're not putting ourselves on par with Paul. No one here is putting themselves on par with Isaiah or any of those things, right? We are saying in the new covenant, we need all five apostles, pastors, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Amen. Until the unity of the faith. Have we got the unity of faith in the church yet? No. That's the first thing on a long list of things it's until in Ephesians 4, okay? Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because I want to reintroduce myself. Allow me to reintroduce myself as an illuminatory teacher, okay? This is more uh, tasteful in the sight of our brothers and sisters. I've gotten some great feedback from some people. It's great. And you might think, not think this is important. Just believe me that it is, okay? Cool. So I want you to know, I want to take you to this moment in Palm Sunday, and I want to illuminate some things that maybe you hadn't, didn't see before. But I'm not putting anything in there that wasn't there. That's not my job. Does that make sense? Are we okay? <laughs> this is the challenge of like everybody knowing about everything all over the world. Like you get found out and you get criticized. So here we are. I'm grateful for our call to be unifying churches. I'm grateful for Together coming up, y'all. I mean, we're going to be at the USF Yingling Center. It's crazy. The thing can seat 10,000 people. Like over 80 churches are coming together to celebrate Jesus on one Sunday, May 28th. 
We're not meeting here on May 28th. We're meeting there. It's crazy. Stuff is happening, okay? So the Bible says, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. This is me remaining eager. Make sense? Okay. I'd rather be overly eager than underly eager. I don't know. So I want you to know, we're going to look at this passage of Palm Sunday, and I'm praying today that you would see something you never saw before, that it would illuminate for you in a new way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for the word, okay? I grew up Baptist. I'm not afraid of it. We prayed before we preached. That's what we did. I'm bringing it back, bringing it back. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would move in power through your word. We ask that just as we experience you in worship, your presence, your person, I pray, God, that your presence and your person would be just as real during the preaching of your word. God, I thank you for your voice in my voice, that you would use me today, God, that there would be people here who hear a word from heaven, a word from heaven because of the stewardship of this moment. God, I pray that we would receive you, Lord Jesus. We would expect you to move in power. Can we say that? Lord, I expect you to move in power. Come on, through the preaching of your word. I expect you to move in power in my life through the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Palm Sunday is all about recognizing the victory of Christ. The victory of Christ as sufficient for all things. It's the sufficiency of his victory. Let's say that together. It's the sufficiency of his victory. I hope you leave today knowing that every obstacle, every challenge, every moment of your life has victory because of his sufficiency. This is that day. This is the commemoration of that moment where he comes in to the Jerusalem, into Jerusalem on a donkey with two palm branches. I'm going to walk through those scriptures with you. Are you ready? Okay. All right. And we're going to focus on two things because even though his victory is sufficient for all things. We can't spend all day here. Amen? Like, some of y'all will just start falling asleep. That's all good. It is the resting place. Amen? Bless you. Whatever. Um, but I'm not going to preach you to, to sleep, right? We're going to get out of here in a few minutes. So we're only going to focus on two things. Even though Jesus' victory is sufficient for all things. Can I get an amen? amen. Is it sufficient for all things? Okay. Sufficient for all things? Okay. Yeah. Good. So even though that's true, we're going to focus on two things. All right? Just two. Amen? Number one is, his victory is sufficient for eternity, for our relationship to eternity. Number two, his victory is sufficient for our enemies, our relationship to our enemies. And I'm going to show you that in the scriptures. Here we go. John chapter 12, verse 12 through 19. I'm reading out the Passion Translation. You can read whatever you'd like. But this one is a little different. It says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd gathered for the feast. And it says the next day, because he was hanging out with Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. And he raised Lazarus from the dead and ticked off all the pastors, I mean, the Pharisees and the religious scholars. And miracles make people mad, bro. They make religious people mad. They do. They offend somehow. They do. <laughs> so get ready, Pam. Just, just letting you know. All right. The next day, after he's hanging out with Lazarus, he makes his way to Jerusalem. So it says, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Everyone was shouting, Lord, be our Savior, which is Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes to us, sent from Yahweh, the King of Israel. 
Then Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it to fulfill what was prophesied. People of Zion, have no fear. Look, it's your king coming to you riding on a young donkey. Now, Jesus' disciples didn't fully understand the importance of what was taking place. Well, doesn't that make you feel better? Oh, it makes me feel better. Like, oh, I'm a Jesus disciple. I also very often do not understand the importance of what is taking place. It just makes me feel better. I don't know. All right. That was free. <laughs> but after he was raised and exalted into glory, they understood how Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies in the scriptures that were written about him. Amazing. All the eyewitnesses of the miracle Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead kept spreading the news about Jesus to everyone. The news of this miracle of resurrection caused the crowds to swell as great numbers of people welcomed him into the city with joy. Say with joy. But the Pharisees were disturbed. <laughs> the Pharisees were disturbed by this joyful event. They still are. <laughs> the Pharisees were disturbed by this and said to each other, we won't be able to stop this. The whole world is going to run after him. And they were right. <laughs> Prophesy, preacher. That's it. Come on. The victory of Christ is sufficient for our eternity. It's sufficient for our eternity. Why can I say that? Because of the palm branches. I want to illuminate something for you here. The palm branches are the reason it speaks to our eternity. Did you know that palm branches are a biblical symbol often used for victory? It's called a motif, something that's repeated throughout Scripture and used in the same way. Deborah sat under a palm branch, under a palm tree, and got strategy for Israel to, to win the day. There are multiple accounts of this. Not only that, the word Nazareth, it's not a palm branch, but it is a branch. I'm going to bring this up for a reason. The word Nazareth means branch, Nazar, Jesus the branch. And it also, Nazar means victory, Jesus the victorious branch. When you hear Jesus of Nazareth, you're saying Jesus the victorious branch. He's the shoot of Jesse, the son of David. Wood itself, tree, you know, a tree, is used as a motif for mankind. So Jesus is the victorious one who brings all of heaven to mankind. Come on. He's bringing it. He's bringing it. And this is the beginning of them understanding it, of the world taking notice. This moment he walks in. Natsar, branch, victorious, palm trees, victorious symbol over and over again. This is the sufficiency of his victory. Amen? Amen. I'm going to point out some things about palm trees and see if you get an illumination. <laughs> Not a revelation, an illumination. It's okay. You can say what you want. I have to be careful. Okay. <laughs> Why did you say that, Caleb? Okay. <laughs> Palm trees grow in a very specific place. Anybody seen one lately? Very hot environments, right? Like the one you live in, right? Typically, they grow in deserts. Victory. From a desert? Victory in the desert? The, not only a victorious branch in a desert, a cut off branch. No longer even connected to the source. Jesus is the branch. 
the branch man, the victorious branch who condescended from heaven, cut off from heaven. Where did he grow up? Right here on the earth. Could put heaven and earth next to each other. Which one's the desert? Uh, obviously, earth is the place that has lack. Heaven has no lack. A desert is a, a dry, lacking place. Where did he begin his ministry? Where did he go immediately after being baptized? The wilderness, the desert. He is the branch that grew up in the desert. The victorious one that came from the soil of lack. You know, he was rejected as a middle, as a middle schooler. Just like you and I were. Like, I know they didn't have middle school, but go with me here, all right? Like, as a young one, he received rejection from his peers. He experienced hunger. This is God. Jesus is God. Amen? Okay. Think of the humility to come from heaven, to be on earth, and to grow up. He subjected himself to a teenage girl who didn't know what she was doing. God put himself in the care of a scared teenage girl. Hello? With a foster dad. Born in scandal. Laid in a feeding trough for the beasts of the field. If that's not a picture of the victorious one planting himself in a desert, I don't know what is. He rose on the third day, but he was crucified on Friday. Amen? Get this with me. He is the branch of victory that grew in the desert, was cut off for us, and then reinvigorated on the third day. The crowds, the multitudes were prophesying his victory on Palm Sunday. They didn't know he was going to raise. They didn't even know he was going to die. Even the disciples didn't fully get it until it was happening. So how do the crowds know what's going on? They didn't. But they are waving victory. They are waving a cut-off branch of victory. What do you call a palm branch that's waving? You call it a resurrection. They stepped into a divine narrative. They proclaim the ultimate victory of heaven. I'll prove it to you. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 12. This is John. After Jesus ascended, he was taken up into heaven, and he saw what was going on there. And here's one moment. Okay, just one moment. It says, after this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. John was not seeing what happened. He was seeing what was happening. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You understand this is what was happening in heaven on Palm Sunday. The earth was waving the branch and heaven was going, they're getting white robes in seven days. We say amen. You understand that Christ is your righteousness? Do you understand you will never do enough to be good enough? 
If you think your Bible study makes you right with God, I'm sorry, sister friend. (laughs) It ain't that good. It's impossible, amen? Is this not the need for a savior? Is anyone grateful that he grew up in the desert places as our victory was cut off and resurrected so that we could have eternal life? Oh, Jesus. They're shouting, Hosanna. This is a direct reference to Psalm chapter 118. And let me just help you right now. Hosanna is not a happy word for the Jews. You don't say Hosanna at a Jewish party. You don't have joy and Hosanna at the same time. Until this moment, something happened. I'll tell you why. Because the word Hosanna literally means, oh, please save us now with intense emotion, with angst. We say, Hosanna, with with smiles on. But in Psalm 118, before the Savior, they were saying, Hosanna! Hosanna! They were in bondage. They were cast out. They were desperate. This was an angst-riddled cry for a Savior. But if you look in the Strong's Concordance, and you look at the word Hosanna in the Greek, in the New Testament, it says, I'm not kidding, it's an exclamation of adoration. What has happened? How did we go from angst to adoration? The branch was cut. The branch was raised. His victory was proclaimed in the earth. We go from angst, turn to adoration. The moment Jesus rides into Jerusalem. We are now and forever saved from our sins and this fallen world because Christ has come into our hearts. You might not believe that today, but that's what's on the table. And anyone here today can come into the fullness of receiving that as much as possible, this side of heaven. You're going to have an opportunity later. Amen? Come on. Are we now and forever saved? I'm now and forever saved. I hope there's a couple other people in here now and forever saved. Like, I'm grateful the good news is never old news for me. It never gets old. I remember that pit I was in. I remember what it's like. Anybody remember what Jesus brought him from? Oh, my goodness. This changes everything from now unto eternity. Christ's victory is sufficient for our eternity. And this moment was declaring that truth with the palm branches. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? They didn't even know what was happening. But we get to look back and go, wow, this was a God setup, right? A divine setup of his victory being proclaimed even before it was manifested on the earth. Amen? Amen. That's point number one. Can you handle a second point? Okay. (laughs) The victory of Christ is not only sufficient for our eternity, but it's sufficient for those who are deemed our enemies. Jesus came this way, received by this specific shout, Hosanna, to flip the way we approach our enemies on its head. Because this is a reference to Psalm 118. And if you study this out, you can go. Please don't take my word for it. Go to the word for it. All right? Just because I have scriptures on the screen doesn't mean really anything. And this is an invitation to do your own study. But Psalm 118, where that Hosanna cry comes forth, has a very interesting context. Here it is. Psalm 118, verse 10 through 13 says, All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side. Surrounded me. Surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. 
They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. And then it turns, and I'm going to jump down for time to verse 19. Psalm 118, verse 19 through 26. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Previous to this, the psalmist was enacting their own salvation. I cut them off. But now they're getting it. You have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. Hosanna. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Jesus was cut off to correct our desires to cut one another off. He came to reframe our approach to those who are our enemies. You know, I actually lost all my enemies. I don't have them. I can't find them. I'm a lot of people's enemy. No one's my enemy. It's a great feeling. You should try it. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I'm like, come here. <laughs> like, you can't. I want a hug, though. <laughs> it's wonderful. You should try it. His life was given so that we could quit spiritually taking one another's lives. You know, he compared anger against your brother to murder in Matthew 5. Put it in the same category. Anybody been angry with anyone lately, this morning? <laughs> You're like, oh, do I actually answer or not? <laughs> Come on. Come on. We are to wave his victory as a banner in order to step out of the old order of things, which is, I cut them off. <laughs> Are you seeing this? The purpose of God? The psalmist says, I cut them off. I cut them. And God says, I'm going to be cut off. You don't have to. I will become your salvation. This is the sufficiency of Christ. His victory for our enemies. Listen to this in Ephesians 2, 14 through 16. This is the paradigm of Jews and Gentiles. So just so you know, that was an ordained segregation by God, which is crazy to think of, right? And but it gives us principles. It's not our situation like, you know, but you, you can put in here instead of Jews and Gentile, put Democrat, Republican, okay? Put liberal, conservative, put whatever, conservative, woke, whatever you want to do. Like put the you know, antis, put them next to each other, right? Our reconciling peace is Jesus. Say amen. That's just a good word. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. Ethnic hatred has been dissolved by the crucifixion of his precious body on the cross. The legal code that stood condemning every one of us has now been repealed by his command. His triune essence has made peace between us by starting over, forming one new race of humanity. Jews and non-Jews fused together in himself. You get it? Black, white, fused together in himself. Whatever antithesis, whatever opposites you're thinking of, fused together in himself. 
Two have now become one, and we live restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. I love this. Through his crucifixion, hatred died. Oh, my goodness. I love you enough to tell you the level of your hatred is the level of your unbelief. That's hard. I know. Preaching to myself. I'm with you. The level of our hatred is the level of our unbelief in the sufficiency of his victory. Find me one person Jesus didn't die for. That's who you're allowed to hate. When you find them, I'll hate them too. Go ahead. I'll join you. <laughs> for God so loved the world. You know that word world is cosmos? So, like, if there's aliens, God so loved the aliens. <laughs> like, the cosmos that he gave his one and only son. The Jews wanted a conquering king with a horse and chariot to overthrow the occupiers of Rome. That's what they wanted. They got a prince of peace on a donkey. The branch carried by the beast of burden. You understand this is a young donkey? Oh my goodness. I just got something straight out of the J cloud. This is hot off the presses. Not checked by a concordance, so whatever. But my spirit's leaping. You know, the cult of a donkey, young donkey, is because it's not had any burden previously. That's what it means. It's never carried a burden. What kind of burden would it carry? Wood for the fire. Cut off branches. Jesus said, find me one who's never carried a branch. I'm going to be the first for this moment to declare my victory is the primary thing, the first and foremost thing. Good word, Caleb. So good. <laughs> You're welcome. I don't know. The Bible says, speak as one who's an oracle of the Lord. All of that didn't even totally make sense to me either. So go ahead. You can just take it to the Lord. I don't know. Kings ride chariots in wartime. This is the whole picture, and I'm bringing it to a close here. So hang on. Kings ride chariots in wartime to conquer. But they, did you know that in this time they rode donkeys after the conquering? Yeah. A king on a donkey means the battle's over. It's a signal to everyone saying, peace time. Victory has come. No more fighting. You see the king on a donkey, you lay down your weapons. <laughs> We're still trying to cut people off because we don't even understand these things. Lord, illuminate us. We may want God to come through and empower us to cut off our enemies. Jesus is only coming through the, great, the gates of righteousness. And righteousness never says it's us or it's them. Righteousness always says it's us for them. It's us for them. Righteousness lays down its life for its enemies. Is that not what the king of righteousness did? While we were yet enemies, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. Why? So we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus on the earth. Amen? So here's my question. Will we see 
his victory as sufficient? Will we see the victorious death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as enough for everything we desire in this life and the next? You have to answer that in your own heart. It's a question for you to take home with you. Homework. Palm Sunday is about recognizing the victory of Christ as sufficient for all things. I pray we see it. I pray we recognize it. I don't want to be cutting off people that God is calling home. I don't want to be cutting off people I'm called to care for. There's nothing easy about it. It's impossible on purpose. You know, you can do the possible stuff, right? Come on, just buck up and do the possible stuff. Go ahead. It's the impossible, the God of the impossible that proves Christ is in there. I want to bear that kind of fruit. That kind of fruit. Jesus. Would you stand? We're just going to pray and close. We're going to have a prayer team on the left and the right over here. And we want to make an invitation now. But I want you to first just hold in your heart. Just maybe even name something. Close your eyes and name something. Name some battle. Right? Just picture it. Name some obstacle. Maybe it's a difficulty with a person at work. Just go ahead and and picture something. Every eye closed. Picture something. Whatever that thing. The thing you need victory in. The battle at hand. If it's depression in your heart. Imagine it. Whatever it is. Financial burden. Whatever it is. I want you to imagine that thing. And I want you to imagine God taking his finger and writing on it. Riding on it, saying, his victory is sufficient. I want you to agree with that word and just say in your own spirit, Jesus, your victory is sufficient for that relational trouble. Your victory is sufficient for that financial burden. Your victory is sufficient for that strain or that, that, that depression, that pain. Your victory is sufficient. You were cut off from me, but you were raised again and waved in victory to prove that you are sufficient in all things. We receive you that way today, Jesus. And if there's anyone here who's never received the Lord personally for you, maybe you just went to church or maybe you said a prayer one time, but nothing ever changed in your heart, and you're looking for that radical shift. You want the burden to come off. You want righteousness, peace, and joy to define your life, and it never has. Today's your opportunity. This prayer team is down here to receive you, and I pray for a holy conviction that doesn't let you leave the building until you talk to someone. He's the best friend ever. Jesus is the kindest person you will ever meet. Jesus, in fact, thinks every single person here is to die for. God is not mad at you. He is madly in love with you. He wants you to come home today. 
Maybe you're right, you're like on the lawn of the house and like you know about Jesus, you're there, but you haven't received the keys to the house. Today is the day. That's mine. That's mine. My sins are forgiven. My shame is taken off. My burden relieved. I'm jealous for every person here who, who may not know him to know him today in that way. So Lord, I pray as we go from this place, we would take every step and say, Christ is sufficient. Christ is sufficient. Your victory is sufficient, Lord Jesus. That every single step would be marked by victory because we receive your victory. And we lay aside our efforts to attain our own. We lay aside our efforts to gain our own justice. Oof, somebody needs, this is for like one person maybe. You need justice. You need justice. And Jesus is saying, was me dying for my enemy's justice? Was that justice? Because that's God's justice. Lord, I thank you for great, great, great grace to walk in mercy and loving kindness before all people. God, I bless all my brothers and sisters here. I bless all of those watching online. And I thank you, God, for grace to accomplish all you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Bless you all. Please come get prayer. If you need healing in your body, these people see miracles all the time. Come on down. If you uh, have any prayer of agreement you need, come on down. Otherwise, have a wonderful day. Go to meet the family right after this. It's starting now. Have a blessed day. Have a happy Holy Week, and we'll see you next week. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.